Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day it is for you. It's great to have your company. Great to be with you here on Your Tech Life. Great to be in your ears through your um, podcast app, through your car stereo. Always great to be here. Your Tech Life, episode 342. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology, and Alcatel. Uh, Stunning mobile phones, the number three mobile phone company in this country based on sales. And um, it's great to have their support for Your Tech Life. We do it each and every week with their support, but most importantly, with your support, because without you, there'd be no show. The whole point is to bring you some news and information about technology, some interviews, and also help you out. If you've got a question about technology, a problem with technology, you can just get in touch. You can go to the website, eftm.com.au, and send me an email. I'll get you on the show. We have a stack of calls to get to tonight, um, today, this morning. Um, we need to think of a generic term. I don't like saying this episode or now. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so lots of calls to get to. Plus, I'm going to talk about Parallels 12, a new version of the virtual machine for Mac, which allows you to run Windows and other operating systems within your Mac. Um, So if you're a Mac user, stand by. You might just be able to run the new version of Windows in the new version of Mac, and it's all done in one click. Very easy to do. So that's very cool. But I also want to bring you a chat with a young man who, in my view, just smacked it to the government this week. Um, He and a mate hacked the census, but in a very different way to what you would have expected that means over the last week. So I'll chat to him shortly. Um, As I say, do it all thanks to Garmin and Alcatel, um, and your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, Let's get rock and rolling. So, um, a quick shout out and thank you uh, to everyone who has left a review recently. Um, I'm going to the post office tomorrow. So, Rob, Mr. Question Marks, Philip Keen for Alencia, which I know who you are, uh, J. Lee J., uh, Pete, and I think maybe TJ. All of you are going to get a bottle uh, of an EFTM drink bottle. And um, I know who most of you are, but there are some who I don't. So,. If you don't get a bottle in the next two weeks, you need to email me or get in touch. There was a couple of people who like sent me, I don't know, um, direct messages on, on Twitter. I'll hopefully remember where you are and how to find you. But anyway, we'll see how we go. Um, those bottles are coming out. So some lovely uh, reviews this week. Five, um, five stars. Get this in your ear holes, says Rob203. This is the only podcast Aussies need when it comes to sorting out your tech problems. Thank you, Rob. Um, question marks is all you've left as a name, but the title is Excellent Tech Podcast, Informative, Easy to Listen to, Technology Podcast, Do Yourself a Favor and Listen. Uh, and Philip Brown, uh, informative and always entertaining. Trevor provides a no-nonsense mix of the latest tech news, gadget reviews, and he answers your tech support questions. Thanks for the weekly update, Trevor. I always look forward to the latest episode. Um, however, my gadget geek... As a gadget geek, my bank account does not. <laughs> uh, P.S. Totally nailed the census debacle due to poor planning and complete incompetence. Um, I don't know if I read this one last week. 
Um, but let's read it anyway. Keen for a gadget. You'll enjoy EFTM if you love gadgets. EFTM is a fun podcast to enjoy and listen to on the go. Trevor has a great way of making geeks sound chic. The host takes calls to answer your tech conundrums, problems, and head scratches. Trevor is a veteran Australian media personality. Ooh, thank you. And reviews the latest gadgets, gizmos, and tech you will need to have in a few months. Enjoy. And uh, Andrew in Melbourne says, I've been listening to Your Tech Life since the first episode. Trevor explains in layman's terms, cutting out the jargon and gets to the point. Uh, innovative, uh, informa- informative, I should say, and helpful to everyone from no experience to expert. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, I'll get those bottles out to you and you never know, I might just keep sending more out until I run out. So if you want to leave a review, go to iTunes. I know some of you hate it, but iTunes is the podcasting platform to be on if you want people to discover a new podcast because that's where most new podcast listeners go before they um, migrate or graduate to a, a better podcasting app like Pocket Casts or Overcast. So, uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for those. And we'll get straight into the show. I want to talk census. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 342, Your Tech Life. Trevor Long with you. Thanks to the good people at Garmin and Alcatel. Now, it was exactly one week ago as I sit here now recording this at about 8.20 p.m. Tuesday night. It was one week ago we were meant to sit down and do our census. And yes, I know you had six weeks to do it, but most people were always going to do it on the night of the census. And I talked in great detail last week about how it was an unmitigated failure. And what we've learned since then is quite detailed, and I'll talk about that in in greater detail around. But what I found interesting over the last 24 hours is a couple of students at the Queensland University of Technology took part in what they call a hackathon on the weekend. Now, their their little group of of coders uh, do this little hackathon, and it's a great way for just knuckle down, come up with an idea, and put it into practice, build it, and see if it works. And their idea, and I love the title, Make Census Great Again. And they did. They made a website called Make Census Great Again. And one of the the two chaps are Austin Wilshire and Bernd Haza, and Austin is on the line. G'day, Austin. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, Matt. How are you going? Very well. You've had a big day, which is awesome because, you know, it's not just great to, to win a coding competition, but it's pretty cool when everyone's talking about it, I would have thought. Um, yeah, definitely. So let's go back to the start here. You sit down. Let, let, you know what? What's a hackathon? Tell my listeners what a hackathon is. A hackathon, the greatest way to describe it is just a room full of IT nerds building cool stuff. And you and get to just let, let yourself free and just build it. Sorry? You just let yourself free. You just build what you want. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's the idea. But isn't there a cost to these things? Like, uh, you know, if you need infrastructure or, I don't know, design, do you just do it all in-house or um, is there a bit of funding or do you just put a bit of your own money behind it? Uh, It's a combination of a lot of things, actually. We do design in-house because we've got, you know, students that do it and so we just get them to help out. Um, But Code Network, personally, they get... Uh, sponsored with food and the whole thing costs about eight thousand dollars all right so yeah it's pretty good for a weekend so was there a um at the start of the weekend was there a a a challenge that was set or did you was it just open slather uh there how it worked is a bunch of people got up and pitched their ideas for about a minute Mm -hmm. and one of the guys tyler he pitched us building a better census 
<laughs> so me and my mate burned. We decided to take on the challenge. Right. So different people pitch an idea and then other uh, the nerds in the room, as you say, pick up the challenge to take it on. Yeah, basically. Awesome, awesome. Rightio. So what did you see as being the problem with the census? They didn't build it to scale properly. They did build it well, but they didn't build it to handle a massive amount of scale, so it just fell over. So they spent $9.6 million to build it well. They spent $469,000 testing that it would cope with the load, but it fell over. Now, let, let's just quickly address the falling over. I've been saying in quite public circumstances all week um, that the census fell over because of a denial of service attack by about 4 million Australians at 7.30pm. Now, yes. they say it was an attack from an overseas party, which, you know what, could well be the case. But any attack, a denial of service attack, is simply built to create traffic to a website to restrict the ability for others to access the website. Is it your belief that if they had have built it for understanding that either one of those two things could happen, that would have been avoided? That's one of the things I don't understand is that they knew that the amount of traffic, and yet they only tested up to 1 million requests per hour. Oh, thank you for saying that, because this is my biggest argument all week. <laughs> they know how many people are in Australia. They're the ABS. They mm-hmm. know how many people are doing it in a paper form. They know how many people did it before the night, yet they still said, you know what, we've tested it to 260 per second. That's 1 million per hour. On what planet did we think that 1 million would be at all that came in the 7 o'clock hour? So... What did, you, what did you build your site on the assumption? What, what did you test your site to take? We tested it to take 4 million requests an hour, and that was maxing our load tester. So it could easily handle more than that because it wasn't showing any signs of flinching. Right, so the, the load tester maxed out before your site did? Yes. So then let's talk about what you built and how you built it and why IBM need to take a you know quick lesson in hackathons. Let me give you what I understand it to be, and then maybe you can correct me. Because I've had a few people today saying, IBM used a cloud solution as well. But as I understand it, IBM kind of um, had one firewall coming in, and then behind it, a bunch of servers. And those servers were built to distribute the load of all that traffic amongst themselves. So, you know, Trevor might go to server number one, Matt might go to server number two, Austin might go to server number three, Burn might go to server number four. And it kind of just distributes the load so that nothing gets overpowered is that the is that a really stupid and simplified way of explaining what abs did yes yeah that's a really good way to put it actually so then what you did was what well ours was a cloud-based solution um but we used some newer technology like real like it's only come out in the last couple of years um and we built it using serverless architecture so what does that mean what is serverless architecture I'll use an analogy to describe it. Like in the simplest form, think of hiring a car and you only have to pay for how long you drive while the company you hired it from pays for all the fuel. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. You pay for the yeah. time, they pay for the fuel. So what happens when a million people are on the site and then suddenly another million people come? That's the best part. So with serverless, it's all it is is running a little snippet of code, but instead of running it on servers we have, it runs on Amazon Web Services. That was our solution, Amazon Web Services virtual machines. Mm. So it's their 
system operations team that handles the load balancing and all of that kind of stuff. It's all out of our hands. And so they basically add more servers, add more load, add more capacity as the load starts to hit it. How quickly does that happen, though? If a million people come in a minute, how quickly can you add capacity? That's actually a question I don't know the answer to. I'm mm. not sure how quickly it will scale up. Do you All need I to tell them in it. advance? Do you need to say to Amazon in this circumstance, we're gonna, oh. we, we want scale for 4 million? No, definitely. Um, yeah, you can just ask them to increase the, what's called the throttle rate and they'll increase it for you. And all that will happen is you'll be charged a bit extra and then once they take it down, it's back to normal. Which uh, Adam Hibble, who um, uh, founded the Code Network, said to me, would simply make the bill higher. So I said to him, would it cope with a DDO a denial of service? And he said, yeah, but it would just make the bill higher. So because a denial of service just looks like a bunch of traffic, it just scales and gets bigger to cope with the traffic, and therefore you have to pay more at the end result. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's yeah, exactly right. You guys spent 500 bucks. What did you spend that on? Um, well, that's the thing. Our, our $500 estimate, that's very, very conservative. The projected costs on Amazon was actually thirty dollars. So, <laughs> yeah, we just we put that bu- that number in as a buffer to uh, um, and, catching anything. And but obviously, be- we didn't calculate wages. I was just going to say you did spend fifty-four hours, two of you plus design <laughs> on this. So, oh, I asked you this on the radio today, and I genuinely mean it. If you I mean, let's be honest here. This is an Australian government thing. You're an Australian university. You're Australian kids. You're working away at it. If you were given $1 million and two years, what do you think? Do you think you could uh, have overcome many of the questions that have come at you today? Like, but it's not secure. It's not private. It doesn't meet standards. Da, 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 da. Are those things that can be overcome with um, the, throw the right amount of money in the right place in technology terms? Without a doubt. In my mind, honestly, with, with two years, you could easily make enough change mm. to force cloud computing into, like, to comply with government policy and laws. So I'm sitting here laughing. I've been laughing for a week. It's hilarious to me, this whole thing. And in fact, I laughed the minute they first said it was a hack. Just a complete load of garbage in my view that that they can they can use that as a as an outcome. Even right tonight, the, my biggest concern right now is that they've blocked overseas DNS from accessing the census site, which is stupid because people use Google DNS, they use VPNs, they use different things. And any hacker in their right mind, I'm not a hacker and I know you've just got to update one file called hosts and you get access to the servers. It is. It seems to me like complete amateur hour. Is that what, you know, on the first hour of your hackathon, are you guys all just sitting there laughing at how amateur the whole IBM and ABS solution was? Yeah, definitely. Like, we honestly, when we looked at what we had to do, we kind of were just thinking, are we missing something? It's that easy <laughs> to make it work. Like, Burned and I just sat there going, are we missing, like, honestly, are we missing something? Mm. What, did th- what do they know that we don't, you know? Um, yeah. So. Well, well done. I, you know, I don't know what this leads to for you other than just loving programming, enjoying coding, building great things. <laughs> Um, I don't know whether Malcolm Turnbull or um, Alastair McGibbon, who's running the review, would bother picking up the phone to say, hey, let's just talk about this, because I think it would be interesting. I think it would be interesting for someone just to take a rational look and say, what, what from an external point of view, what do we do wrong, and then challenge that. I, I don't mind being challenged from a bureaucracy point of view, but 
Um, well done on it, mate, and uh, well done to Burned and uh, to the whole uh, Code Network team. Hopefully this gives the Code Network a good um, shot of adrenaline and um, it goes to bigger and better things for the next hackathon. Definitely. Good yeah, on you, Austin. Up. Thanks for the chat. No worries. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin. Garmin.com.au is their website, and you can uh, learn all about their great products there, um, like the Garmin Vivo Smart HR Plus, the smart activity tracker with wrist-based heart rate plus GPS. Turn your steps into strides with the Vivo Smart HR Plus, the GPS activity tracker with Elevate wrist heart rate technology. Not only does it count steps, calories, floors, climbed, and intensity minutes, it uses GPS satellites to track how far and how fast you've gone during almost any activity from running to rollerblading. The uh, move bar that gives you a vibrating reminder is there to get up and move whenever you've been act- inactive for too long. So stay connected with smart notifications linked to your smartphone, including text, email, call, social media, calendar alerts, and much more all on your wrist. The Vivo Smart HR Plus is the product. Check it out at garmin.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, I did a story this week on Today Extra, and um, interestingly, uh, this is a a scary, scary story. Uh, A mother in Texas was on Facebook, you know, sitting there as you do, scrolling through your feed, and a picture appeared, and it was her daughter's, twin daughter's bedroom. Appeared in her Facebook feed. And the claim in the feed was, you know, if anyone owns or knows where this room is, let us know. And it turns out someone had stumbled across a live feed of this child's bedroom in an app. That app is live streaming web cameras from around the world. Now, normally a webcam over Sydney Harbour is pretty cool. Let's live stream that. But a child's bedroom? So what's happened here is either, you know, through playing games or something, their IP address has been left out on the internet, which is very easy to get. And they've worked their way through the network, probably using the default um, password through the router and into the camera. Now, I'm very scared by this. I'm very worried by this, but I do not want anyone to stop using these great, great cameras. All you need to do is know about it and take precautions. And those precautions are quite simple. It is change the default password. When you buy these things, you take them out of the box, you plug them in, you turn them on. You might, re- you might read the instructions. But what you don't do, or you often do, is click next, 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 next. And what you don't do, excuse me, is change the default administrative password. Now, the administrative password is the password that allows you to get into the camera and kind of change the settings. Same with your router. 
If your router, forget your Wi-Fi password, but after that, as well as having a secure Wi-Fi password, if your router's admin password is password or admin or blank, you're asking for trouble. So you've got to change the default password, and that's all you need to do to prevent this from happening to you. So take it on board, please. Um, Don't just be flippant about this. It's a genuine warning. Check out your Wi-Fi cameras and stay safe. Change those default passwords. So the English Premier League has debuted in Australia on Optus. Yay! But Optus is not um, a pay TV company. They're a mobile company and a broadband company. They They don't have cable into every home. They are providing the EPL via the internet. Sounds good, right? Well, they had their first big test on the weekend. The EPL kicked off. People were angry. Now, they actually got a little bit over angry about things because there was an outage of the feed, which was nothing to do with Optus. It was the host broadcaster. But that is a bit disappointing in the first weekend, and I reckon Optus would be up in arms about it. But what people are a bit upset about is that it's not live. And when I say that, I mean... Internet content has to be created, encoded, and then decoded. Takes time. 30 seconds, 60 seconds, maybe 90 seconds. And that's the delay that has been happening for viewers. So if you're on Twitter and you're watching, you know, Liverpool play Man U, I don't know the teams, and you see goal, and you're watching the TV going, well, hang on a minute, what are they talking about? 30, 60 seconds later, goal. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> it's, it's actually a bit of a problem in this social and connected world. And I think people are a bit unhappy about that. They didn't realize how much the delay would be. Also, some people pretty unhappy about the quality. So on your mobile and your tablet, you might get HD. You might get HD. Um, depends on how much bandwidth you've got. But on Fetch TV, the HD is much better because they use HEVC encoding, which is a much tighter encoding, which uses less bandwidth. So actually, Fetch viewers have been quite happy. Optus mobile customers, not so much. So I think Optus has got a bit of work to do managing this whole entertainment concept across IP. And I actually think that this is a a bit of a, uh, a setback for internet sports rights. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know for sure. But certainly, I've got to be honest, I'd be pretty annoyed now thinking about it. I've always said I'd pay money to watch the Formula One over the internet, but I rely on the Twitter and it all happens together and I'm just not sure that it, um, that it would work. That's why broadcast is so great. So we'll wait and see. We'll see how that goes. I'll be interested in your views. Let me know whether you've got a view on Optus's EPL coverage and happy to take your feedback. Now, if you're in for a low-cost mobile plan, what about Vaya this week? Uh, now, Vaya is that kind of um, no-contract carrier that is owned by Amasim, operating on the Optus network, doing lower cost than Amasim. So Amasim are now kind of push themselves up into that kind of higher-tier carrier with Vaya taking up the, the low-cost mantle. They announced a $16 a month plan. Now, for 16 bucks a month with Vaya, you can now get unlimited calls, unlimited texts, and one gig of data. That's not enough for me. 
but a lot of people would be very happy with one gig of data. 16 bucks a month is fantastic value. Plus, if you buy 12 months worth, it's even cheaper. So I'd be interested to know your views. Um, are these the kind of deals that will get you going? Are these the kind of deals that might get you switching carriers? You know, I bang on about this all the time. Why won't we switch carriers? I'll do some more um, deep dives into that research we did recently on that. But for my mind, 16 bucks that's a very good deal. Um, 16 bucks for unlimited calls and text alone is pretty darn good, but then you get a gig of data as well. So it's pretty much on par with Kogan, I would have thought. Um, he has 16.95 unlimited calls and texts and one gig of data, and I think that's probably what they're responding to. Um, so worth checking out. Uh, the website for me is eftm.com.au. Both uh, of those, all those stories I just talked about will be available there for you. Um, and you can check it out uh, at eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. So Alcatel, great sponsors of ours here, and the Alcatel Idol 4 is coming out very soon. This is going to be a $400 product that will be available in a larger version as well, the Idol S. And the box is actually the virtual reality headset. Now, what you need to do is be asking your telco. You need to be asking your local retailer. You need to be asking them to stock this product. And that's what's going to make them get out there and stock this product. If not, you need to stand by because Alcatel is going to start selling this thing directly to customers via the interwebs. Um, I've, got a, I've got details of the Idol 4 up at eftm.com.au from back when it was announced in March. Um, taking its time to get available here, but geez, it's a great product. I think you'll love it when you see it. Um, so check it out. The Idol 4 from Alcatel, basically their flagship phone at a mid-range phone price around $400. The Idol 4 from Alcatel. Uh, check it out at Alcatel's website. Just search Alcatel Idol 4. Episode 342. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks to Alcatel and Garmin for uh, sponsoring Your Tech Life. Back to your calls. Uh, remember last week, Belinda called. She had a problem with a Sony PVR um, software issues. Belinda's back on the line. How'd you go, Belinda? I went very well. Um, thank you for sending through that upload from Sony, but mm. I had to go back to Sony support and mm. ask them for the updated version, which they sent through, which I updated, and it works perfectly now. Ah, uh, bingo. Um, being the HD 10 and 9. So you can now record 10 and 9 HD, no problems at all? No problem at all. Hey, interesting. Did they say anything about why they had a later version than, than the one that was on their website? They didn't say anything, and I didn't ask the question. No, because you got what you needed, right? Exactly. Do you remember who helped you at uh, Sony? His name was Leo. Well, that's good. Shout out to Leo for getting Belinda sorted, and thanks, Belinda, for uh, updating us. And I'm glad you can record your TV now. Uh, Survivor's starting, uh, the block's starting. There's a whole heap of TV shows starting. You need to record on those channels. We do, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. Oh, on you, Gazza. Mate, you're a, a fantastic stuff, what you do. Oh, thank you, mate. I, I appreciate to, it. I listen to you every Sunday when I'm programming in the PVR. I have the sound down, and then I just listen to you or dulcet tones, and it's fantastic. We Long time since we talked, son. It is a bloody long time, but that, I'm glad you're doing well, mate, and I'm glad we got your PVR sorted, my man. Two things we've got in common, and I've got to tell you, that's Formula One. That, well, that's just one. What's the other one? <laughs> 
Supercars. Oh, okay, rightio. But, what? Hey, what about the news today, Gazza? What? Holden withdrawing their support for the Holden yes, Racing I know. Team. I know what's going to happen to that team. I mean, it's but it's fantastic. It all works, and uh, I think Neil Crompton is the most the best commentator in the world. Aside from Gregory Rust, who's a good friend of mine, I'll give you that. Crompo is the best in the business. And I've got to say thank you so much because I really had a headache. I, I, I couldn't understand how we couldn't tape high definition TV on ten and nine mm. when we'd been doing it for a year, a year or whatever, nearly a year. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it just wouldn't tape. And yeah. I, I and Belinda said, I said to Belinda, Trevor Long, and she goes, No, no, I, 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 I'm happy with the marriage. <laughs> well, you know, Gazza, you need to hang on tight there, mate, because someone that's happy with you is someone that uh, deserves hanging on to. <laughs> all right, Trent, thank you. Good on you guys. Thanks for getting in touch, and I'm glad it's all sorted. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Belinda and Gazza there, um, long-time listeners, and I appreciate their support, and I appreciate it's all fixed now. Good on you, Sony. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. That's the name of the show. That's my name. You can get in touch on Twitter at Trevor Long. You can go to the website eftm.com.au if you've got a question. Christina's on the line. G'day, Christina. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Bloody marvellous, I'll be honest. Good to hear. I've seen you a lot on TV lately with it's, the census debacle. Yeah, sorry about that. Is your, are your eyes okay? Have you had to go to a doctor about that? <laughs> I had no problem with mine. I did it a week before and it wasn't a problem. Oh, very good. Now, what can I do for you today? Uh, I have, and you will laugh, a 20-year-old beautiful ice skating rink that I bought in America, and it's a Christmas decoration. I'm assuming it's not life-size. I'm assuming it's a toy-size, right? No, it's not life-size. But the mechanics of it involve a little plastic cog, which has got a crack in it. And it's only about as big as a 10-cent piece. And I'm sure if I could find someone who does 3D printing... I could get it copied, and I just wondered if you could uh, send me in the right direction to find that. Wow, that is so awesome. Could you imagine, like, five years ago? <laughs> we would never have asked that question, right? No, I know. And you know what? The number one thing I want here is I want to know how this goes. That is so cool. So there's a lot of places that claim to do it. And here's the thing. Um, how much do you reckon you're willing to spend to get that thing working again? Oh, look, I reckon I'd probably spend 20 bucks, but from what I've heard, I don't think it would even cost that much, the way they talk about 3D printing. Right. Um, well, I think that's – that's. I'm glad I asked that question. So here's the thing. You're right. The physical cost of printing the thing, the, the material, assuming it's not really a hard-wearing, it's just pretty – uh, like yeah, it well, it's just it, like it's a musical. You know the old-fashioned musical things where the ballerinas used to Yeah, so it's got a lot of load well, going through. it's the through. same type of thing, right. you know. It's just that over these 20 years, mm. uh, you know, using it just that short time every year, it's finally cracked. And we have put it back together, but it just doesn't last anymore. Yeah, so but, the, uh, the, the, the problem I've got with the 20 bucks is that they're going to have to scan and model the piece. Um <sighs> And I do understand that, and I have sent some questions away, and I, I'm open at the moment. I just, you know, I may even decide to spend more, but I just have no absolute idea. And the people I've spoken to said, no, they don't do it from the scanning; they only do it from your plans. You know. Ah, uh, right. So who have you spoken to? Oh, I can't remember. There were just a couple of them. I I sent. Well, I sent a couple of emails to people. I never got a reply, and I rang someone the other day, just off straight off the internet. You know, in an Australian company, and they said, "No, we only do it from your 
your, uh, you know, your your files. Right. Okay. You know. So yeah. I, and I went to the computer mm, show mm. with the sole purpose of looking. There was there, there was a computer there. show. There were no three D print. They have been in the past. I mm. go every year, and there were no three D printers there. Which computer show? The other one in a few months ago. Mm. There was just it's getting more and more cloud based and uh, business based, you know, compared to what C-bit. it was many. Business, you know, it's is not it, for individuals is, anymore. Is, is the show called Seabit? Yeah, that one. Okay, yeah, the yeah. very, very business show. I don't even go to it. Um, oh, every year I go and I say to people, remind me next year I'm not going. But every well, year I, I, go, I told crazy. myself that after two years and that was about four years ago and I've stopped going ever since. Uh, so yeah. here's the two companies. I've done a bit of research. Here's the two companies I would recommend you calling. You may have already called one or two of them. Um, right, 3D okay. Printing Studios. Sorry, say that again. It cut out. 3D Printing Studios. Oh, yes. Okay. The name does sound familiar, okay. but I'll write it down and well, I'll check it let's up. Let's just see. Hopefully, they're, they're not as, as terrible as you say the, the response was. Um, yep. but, you know, they say they're in Sydney and they do say yep. they do 3D scanning. So okay. I, I think the problem. I think the problem is most of these companies are hoping for people that are, uh, are replicating a part for mass production or, or they yeah, need 3D scanning of I a really know. big part. Um, the yeah. other one is called Parts to Print with the number two, yep. Parts yep. to Print. All right. Now, they seem a little bit more kind of, um, I don't know, just down to earth, a little bit less big enterprisey. Yep. Um, right. And it actually says, got a lost or broken part. Let us 3D okay. print a replacement for you. So I will definitely follow that up. I reckon they're probably yep. the more likely candidate for yep. you. Strangely right. or annoyingly, if you want to put it, they don't have a phone number. They've only got um, uh, email Connor contact, but yep. so be life. Um, right. Why don't you That's see fine. how you go with them? Um, drop my name, not because they know me, but maybe we can try and get them to understand yes. that if this works well, I want to write a story about it. I'll tell them that. So I'll what I want them. from you in that circumstance, if you do find someone, I want you to take some really good photos of the whole ice skating rink and the little broken part. And then when you okay. get the new part back, a photo of that as well. And I'd love to write a story okay. about it if you can get it fixed. I'll, I will definitely do now, that. Now, Christina, if you don't have any luck with that, with either of those two, you come back to me and I will okay. I will keep digging. All right, then. Thanks very much, Trevor. Good on you, Christina. Thanks for getting in touch. See you later. Bye. And um, if you have advice for Christina about where she can go, um, get in touch with me. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. I'd love to know how we can help out because that is a very, very cool very modern thing to be doing. Printing replacement parts. You're listening to Your Tech Life. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Episode 342 of Your Tech Life. Taking your calls, questions, comments on anything technology in your life. Just get in touch via the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Keith. Right. How can I help you, mate? Now, I've lost my sound on my Windows 10 Piece, uh, desktop, right, and for no particular reason, it just uh, doesn't come anymore. And I've tried several things from Google, mm. and they all return the same message: everything is wa- working normally. When did you um, upgrade to Windows Ten? Oh, last year. Okay, so it's been running fine up until oh, now. Oh yes, yes. Now, Keith, the obvious simple things, and I, I have to be rude and ask these, but um, is the volume up? Have you looked at the little volume icon in the bottom corner of Windows? Could it have been muted? 
Uh, no, I fixed that. That's okay. okay. It's not that. So it's definitely not the mute. Um, no. Have you tried the uh, Windows sound setup, which will actually play default sounds and test sounds? Uh, well, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. So in the in the settings, in the control panel of yeah. um, of your computer, there'll be the, the sound setup. And there's all these default sounds there. Because obviously there are... Um, if you're trying to play music out of a music program, it could be the program that's broken, not Windows. So right. at first, I'd first try that. But then, Keith, um, thinking out loud, to be honest, if it was working fine before and it's not now, um, are they, right. is it a desktop PC or a laptop? A desktop. Okay. And the do the speakers plug in in the back or the front of the desktop? The speakers? Yeah. They're internal. Ah, okay, that's okay. Interesting. Do you have any external speakers you could plug in? A set of headphones, maybe? No, I don't. Hmm. No. That would be very handy if you could, because what you could do is you could do a test, and I think right. that's that's the critical thing now. Um, whether you've got someone in your family or someone nearby who might have a set of headphones for their mobile phone or something like that, just the standard set of headphones. Yeah, um, right. You might be able to plug those in to the headphone. Socket on to any USB? No, no, just a little little circle headphone socket. Okay, right, I'll find it. There'll be one on the back. I reckon it'll be on the back, and there'll be different coloured ones. Probably a green one and an orange one. I think on the the back of the desktop. On the back of it, yeah. So, plug the headphones into the hole, and if you don't get sound, try the other hole because there might be one for in and one for out. But right. Right. Bottom line, what you do is so play a YouTube clip or something like that. So play a, a video or something that's constant with sound. Yes. Um, make sure all the volume on the video is up. Make sure the volume on the computer is said to be up. And then plug the headphones into those ports. Now, if that works, then the internal speakers are either broken or badly configured. Right. Now, if that doesn't work, it could mean that the sound card is either broken or ill-configured. And really... Right. The only way to get yeah. that checked or tested is either to reinstall Windows, which is a bit of a pain yeah. in the bum, a bit of a nightmare yeah. to do, yeah. or take the PC in to get someone to have a look at it or call geeks to you, get them out to have a look at it. Right. Okay. So, so not well, an easy right. one, Keith, but if you can track someone down with some headphones, I think that's the first port towards getting some diagnosis. Well, I've never seen those uh, ports on the back that you uh, talk about. Little tiny hole. Little tiny hole, three and a half millimetres in diameter. Yeah. Anyway, if you say they're there, they're there, Trevor. So uh, I'm confident. I'll I'll do what you suggest. They could also be on the front, hidden behind a little flap or something. So have a look around. No, Um, no, not at the front. Okay. All right. Well, have a look and uh, see whether you can track them down and give that a bit of a diagnosis. Failing that... Probably worth taking the little thing down to the local computer store and getting them to open it up and have a look at that sound card. All right. Thank you for driver. Good on you, Keith. Thanks for getting in touch. All right, now. Cheers. Good on you, and good luck with that one. Hopefully we can get that sorted out for you. Uh, EFTM.com.au if you want to get in touch and talk about your technology problems. Your Tech Life is the name of the show. Trevor Long is my name, and we're taking your calls all through the show to help you out with your technology questions, technology problems. John's on the line. G'day, John. G'day, Trevor. What can I do you for, mate? Um, mate, I'm in the market for a dual SIM phone. I've currently got an Apple iPhone 6, and um, for work purposes, I need to have a second phone, but mm. it's a bit annoying carrying the second phone, and um, 
I've looked at a couple on the market and just want to be steered in the right direction as to what's the best choice to look at. Well, it's a couple of problems. Um, you've got to be very careful what you're expecting from each SIM card um, because I didn't actually realise this, to be honest, until oh, probably three or four months ago that a lot of the dual SIM phones um, operate at like 3G or 4G and the other one's just 2G. Like they're, if, if you need data on the second SIM, it's out the window. Like it's slow as buggery and it's not even going to work in the future because 2G will be switched off. Um, I don't think, I think Oppo might have a phone that, that um, kicks that balance. Uh, I thought Kogan did as well. So Kogan's Agora. But honestly, if you're replacing an iPhone 6, you're not going to go to a Kogan Agora. Let's be honest, all right? Um, I've looked at the the um the Motorola Gen Four. I know that that's just come out in the market. Moto G Four um, Plus um, and Moto G Four. Uh, actually, the Moto G Four Plus I think is the dual sim version. Three hundred ninety nine dollars available at JB Hi Fi, mate. It is the solution because it the it operates at four G and three G. So you get um you get the speed you want um from both sim cards. Okay, so you can use your primary number, say, as a 4G, but you're going to use your data, and then the secondary number that you're not going to use as much for data, use that. Have you got the choice of being able to do that? But when you... Yes, you can you can choose which one you use for data and when, but I yeah. don't know that you can switch between which one is 4G and which one's 3G unless you actually physically move the slots around. Sure. Honestly, haven't tested it in that much great detail, but here's the thing. I'd argue this. How much do you notice that you're on 4G? You know, it's a lot. It's just, you know, it's a day-to-day thing. Like, is it is that kind of phone practical? So you know which number that you're using, just for ease of no, ease totally. Of use, Look, I switched off the 4G on my phone for a week. Didn't notice a difference in my life. But for you, what you need is to be able to use, receive calls, send texts from both numbers. You need to be able to use data and potentially choose which one you're using for data at any given time. So you want to use a specific SIM card on the weekend for your data. That's all possible with the Moto um, uh, G4. Now, you can buy these things everywhere, but honestly, my advice to you is to go to a JB Hi-Fi or something like that and buy one outright here in Australia because if you buy it from overseas as a grey import, you're asking for trouble. It might not do the right things. It might not be the right speed. It's a whole bunch of other things. Just for, for a man who relies on his phone and is coming from an iPhone, I would buy it outright here in Australia, three ninety nine. It'll do everything you need, mate. Excellent. All right, you're on a winner. All right, mate. Thank you very much for your help. Good luck with it, John, and uh, thanks for getting in touch. All the best. Cheers. And if you've got a question, you want to have a chat about anything technology in your life, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech life. Life with Trevor Long. Well, if you've got a Mac, but you used to love Windows, there are ways to run Windows within your Mac. If you run a Mac at work and software that you require for your work is only available on Windows, that's another reason to look at how you can run Windows within your Mac. Now, Apple make that available. You can run either Windows or the Mac operating system, but you can't run them both. But there are ways to do that. And one of the most popular ways in the world is a piece of software called Parallels. Now, For the uninitiated, it's basically a piece of software that you install that allows you then to install one or more instances of Windows. And actually, you can run Windows programs as if you're just launching Mac programs. And it's a fantastic way to operate if you need or love 
using Windows in any way. And uh, a new version of Parallels is coming out, Parallels 12 for Mac. And to talk about it from Parallels is Kurt Schmucker, the Senior Product Manager. G'day, Kurt. Good day. How are you? Mate, very well. So obviously this is not a new product. It's been around for many years and it's an annual iteration. What are the big things that we're selling people on this year in terms of um, the advances in Parallels Desktop 12? So there's several things. So Parallels Desktop 12 is the latest iteration of Parallels Desktop. It still maintains all the features you just talked about. Mm. We, of course, every year, people want it to be faster. And we've been able to do that this year. Uh, really pleased with how fast we can make Windows 10 launch and Windows 10 apps launch. That's a really big improvement in the, yep. in the, in the application. The other thing that people have been wanting to do for many years with Parallels Desktop is to back up their Windows virtual machine. Ah, right, yes, because it's all well and good that, to have Windows running, but if you lose everything, you've lost it all. So you, you, you've now got a backup um, simplification built into Parallels. That's sort of correct with a partner called Acronis. Right. So what we did was the following. So a Windows virtual machine can be a very big file on the Mac, mm. uh, sometimes even as much as 100 gigabytes or more. Mm. And whenever you boot Windows, that file is going to change a little bit. Every backup programmer out there mm. will then back up that whole 100 gigabyte file to your server. Right, which is a bit of a waste. That's a lot. And I got to know about other programs, but Time Machine backs up every hour. That's the default. Yes. So once an hour, you're backing up 100 gigabytes. It's going to fill your server really quick. So we work together with Acronis to do an incremental backup of your virtual machine. Wow. So if only the things that change that have changed get backed up, that makes it a much easier job. In our tests, the backup can take as little as five or six minutes, wow. depending on how much, of course, you've, you've changed your Windows virtual machine. If you installed some major application, it might take longer, but it's way better than before, and that's a really big improvement. What do you think is the primary reason people use a virtual machine to a parallels or equivalent to on a Mac? Is it because they can't let go of Windows or is it because they have a, a software requirement for a, just a specific program that just isn't available on Mac? We, we tend to see the, the later more, more commonly. Yeah. Uh, we get love letters from users because of Parallels Desktop lets them choose their hardware. Yeah. A canonical example would be a teacher who would prefer to use the Mac because they feel the software that is available for it is better for their students. Yep but who every week on Wednesday has to connect to the school district server and upload attendance data or grade data, and that server only works with Internet Explorer. Uh, that's right. very common. <laughs> and so that's such an important job, job requirement for that individual. That would make their choice of a platform. Right. But because of Parallels Desktop, they can have Windows on their machine, run that Internet Explorer once a week, they still keep their Mac. Right, so well, so, they're so happy. You're not you're not the only um, um, mechanism for virtual machines. What sets you apart? Why should people choose Parallels um, to run uh, Windows as a virtual machine on their Mac? Several reasons. One, we're faster. Two, we're the most innovative. We come up with the newest things the first. Mm-hmm. And now, if you go to an Apple store, an Apple retail store, the only thing on the shelf you can buy. Parallels. parallels desktop, so it's much easier to purchase. And it's it's really um, 
such deep integration. I mean, you can use for for several years now. You've been able to use you know Mac gestures within Windows app. Yeah. Um, you've got things like Cortana are available for Windows ten, even though you're in in your Mac. It's a very strange kind of concept, but it it absolutely works with parallels. These are the things that make the kind of Windows experience genuine, even though you're on a Mac. Exactly correct. We have been focusing for the last several years in bringing the goodness of the Macintosh over to Windows, like you mentioned gestures, like you mentioned Mac dictation Mm -hmm. in Windows apps. Things like this are very important. And then last year, we found a feature in Windows cool enough to bring over to the Mac, and that was Cortana. Mm -hmm. And that was a real big hit with users, because you could have that, that personal intelligent assistant on your Mac able to answer your questions and so on, launch programs for you. It's really, really nice. And your this version of Parallels will be um, 100% ready for the new version of Mac OS? It will be. Of course, the new version of Mac OS isn't 100% ready yet for us mm. to do any testing, so we have to wait until that happens. But we will be compatible with it. Our engineers are working on it now with the Apple engineers. If you're interested in exploring the new Mac OS Sierra, mm. the best way to do it is inside a virtual machine because a beta OS is a fragile thing. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> so you, if you load it in the virtual machine and it does anything wrong, everything is contained in that virtual machine. Nothing is at risk on your Mac. I've done that. I do that with Sierra. I did that with Windows 10 when it was in, in its development. I would load a beta copy of Windows 10 once a week and play with it and send bug reports to Microsoft I also sent kudos to them, yep. saying, wow, this is really great. You've made a big improvement here. Yeah. And both Apple and Microsoft love to get that kind of feedback because when you have it's the whole point of running a beta, isn't it? people testing their OSs, it's mm. going to make it better for everyone. Now, last question and the most important one for me. I, um, I think recently, maybe it's probably a couple of, couple of versions ago, um, I was sent a copy of Parallels to use and I went, I can't even use it because I don't have a, a disk or a, or a key or anything for, for Windows. It ha, is it easy now or is there a way to simplify the process of going, yep, I'm going to walk into an Apple store or download Parallels. I want, I want to run Windows. How do you get Windows? Because it's a very online environment now and you you can't just download it and upgrade because the, the, the system doesn't exist. You create the virtual machine. So what are you doing in that regard? So you're absolutely right. That's been a big problem, especially for our new users. So we work together with Microsoft. So we now you can, in Parallels Desktop 12, you can buy and download Windows 10 directly inside Parallels. It's a really nice environment. You just pick which, which particular version you want, press a button, and the, uh, your browser opens up to the Microsoft Store with your shopping cart already filled with that kind of Windows. Put in your credit card, download it, and then we take, take care of the installation for wow. you Wow, okay. So literally... It's, one you stop shop. To, you do have to buy it, of course, but it's yeah. really, really easy. But you th- through the whole process, you, it's basically a one stop shop to to get the process from start to finish of running Windows within your Mac. Correct. Fantastic. And we think that's really important, especially for our newer users uh, and users who have other versions of Windows and want to stay with them. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have versions of Windows on my machine from ninety uh, five forward, and I have versions of Mac OS in virtual machines. From Lion forward, I've got it all. I can run anything, and our users can do the same sort of thing. And the new version available in a week from now? That's correct. 
Fantastic. All right, pricing I'll put up on, on the on the website. But uh, great to talk to you, Kurt. Really, really innovative stuff. I I think it's one of those, um, uh, I guess, strange things that you guys are the kind of the backbone for this whole thing. You know, people talk about Mac, but they talk about Windows. But then there's this backbone behind the scenes of of people that connect PCs together, software together, and you're doing exactly that. And it's a it's a great it's a great thing. And hopefully you get a, get a lot of reward from the feedback that you get in the same way that you said that Microsoft and Apple get great feedback. So hopefully you see that feedback come through from your users too, Kurt. We do. We do very much every day. Good on you, and thanks for the chat. Thank you so much. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. Hey, thanks for your company. Geez, you know what else? Uh, this week is Science Week in the New South Wales Department of Education. So if your kids go to New South Wales schools, the theme this week is drones, droids, and robots. And I went to my son's school today. Uh, like being a bloody celebrity, it was awesome. Um, hundreds of kids, you know, clapping, cheering, saying hello. And I, I talked to them about robots, the Jetsons, autonomous cars. Um, flew a little um, parrot mini drone. I showed them the BB-8 and other dro- other droids. Uh, and then I took them out in the school oval and, and flew the phantom drone up in the air at 120 metres and blew their minds. It was awesome. So hopefully your kids are getting that same kind of experience at their school. If not, well... You need a bit of principle. Um, but it was awesome. So uh, thank you to all the kids and parents who enjoyed that. Um, really, really cool stuff. I think this is the best day ever, honestly. I um, I know it's kind of ego uh, egotistic, but that story about those young kids doing that work on the, um, on the hackathon has been awesome today. I, I heard about it a couple of days ago. I got in touch with them to find out more. I spoke to them last night. I wrote the story this morning and um, initially, but not primarily, but I'm sure there's other reasons, but initially that story has been picked up in a whole bunch of places um, and they're getting a lot of attention. And I think that's awesome for them. Uh, and right now I am two and a half hours away from the end of the day and very, very close to hitting uh, record traffic for EFTM.com.au as a result of that. I appreciate your uh, patronage to the website. I Thank you for going there now and then. I thank you for following us on Facebook and Twitter and clicking the links when we put them up. It, uh, it really does help and it makes us realise that people, um, um, you know, it makes me realise people appreciate what we do. So it's awesome. It's good to see. It's good to see real, raw numbers showing that. So thank you for your for your um, for visiting. Thank you for reading. And thank you for listening. It's uh, great to be here. We'll be back again next week. Uh, and the week after that, I think it is, I should bring, let's bring up the diary. Let's bring up the diary right now, folks. Uh, next week here on board, um, we might talk a lot about the uh, Integrate Expo. Um, and the week after that, I will probably be late with the podcast because I'll be in Berlin. The week after that, we might even have an Apple announcement. You never know. Anyway, we'll soon find out once the invitations go out and the, the leaks start. Well, the leaks have started years ago. Uh, iPhone 7 coming. Um, thanks for your company. Thanks to Alcatel and Garmin. We're we'll back again next week. You can get in touch anytime. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Trevor Long, or on Facebook. Um, just search Trevor Long. You'll find me. Great to have your company, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. See you next week.